This show will often feature one-on-one interviews with people I admire about who they are, how they think, how they feel, and of course what they do. Join me and my slew of wonderful guests for jokes, discourse, confessions, tips, and more. Today, Tierney Talks presents The Extract with Andrea Amez, Part 1. I'm interviewing one of the best estheticians in Los Angeles, the very talented Andrea Amez, who is also my friend and complete skin idol. You should see her right now. I'm going to ask Andrea a few questions of my own before moving into all of the questions people submitted to me on Instagram. People are super thirsty for her help, so we're very glad she's here. Thank you, Andrea, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Uh, yeah. Yes. Andrea, so this is her first podcasting experience, so I'm very grateful. It is. It is. And I'm so lucky that I get to do it with you. Aw. I can honestly say my life changed when I met you, especially my skin. <laughs> <laughs> but I was trying to think, like, when did we did we first meet on Abbott Kitty? <laughs> It feels like it. You know, I think actually we met on that um, 69 shoot. Was it oh, even yeah. 69? It was it a was, model. Yeah, it was the one that um, Morgan was and Christine yes. were shooting. Christine Hahn shot yes. us for a magazine yes. story. We were both modeling and it was the concept was sweat, which is actually perfect because you're constantly telling me you're super sweaty. Oh my gosh. <laughs> literally the sweatiest girl over here but I remember I'd seen you before and then when we got to your part of the day I remember it was so hot and we were walking through Boyle Heights yeah and you had like ice cream you had the ice cream props and I was so jealous because I was like ah like she's gonna kill it and you were so good but when that (laughs) thing came out like none of us were really in it which was hilarious true you know that's what happens in editorials right we got too used to the editorial vibes hopefully christine you know paints our faces another time with stuff beyond sweat um and then yeah basically i worked on abikini during that time Mm -hmm. and I promise you, I'm not a super huge fan of Abbott Kinney. I was just there a lot during that time. Me too. And Andrea worked at Aesop, Mm -hmm. so it would be the best to go on my lunch breaks and, like, my lunch breaks that were, like, two hours long because I would get to work so early anyway that it wasn't robbing anybody. Um, And I would ask you all these questions and you would give me samples. It's so funny because I think back that time and I was so – I had left – all my art world career stuff. And then I decided that I wanted to do beauty and Aesop was like that perfect bridge where it was like the artsy skincare brand. So I was always super stoked to be there, but you know, I didn't have any friends in Venice. So I met, it was you, Zach and a few other people, I think, right? You guys would just come and visit me all the time, which was so nice. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm, because you, know, you mentioned your sort of participation in art as a mm-hmm. field, and 
I guess I want to, I loved when you mentioned on Instagram the other day, like you shouted out, uh, what was it, Calendula flower as like the Kiehl's toner you've been yeah. using since you were seven. And yeah. as someone who had a subscription to Allure magazine since like third grade, I really related to that. But yeah, I just wanted to like ask you about sort of the origins of your interest in skincare and what you kind of, how you sort of related to that as a kid and then... What made you kind of go into yeah. art? I love talking about this because now I totally see the connection. Um, to be honest with you, I have always been super into skin. And it all started with my mother. She's a nurse and she's worked in dermatology and kind of general practice, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that always was lingering in the background. Um and, you know, I think my kind of career with beauty honestly just kind of came out of, like, that classic, like, low self-esteem kid. I went through a lot of phases in my life where I was, you know, I was, I was a chubby kid, straight up. Um, and so, but the only thing that I would feel always really good about was my skin. And this is going to sound like I'm making it up, but I remember when I was maybe eight or nine, my mom and I would drive all the way from, like, Highland Park to Kiehl's, I mean, to Fred Siegel, mm -hmm. um, to go by Kiehl's, because that was, like, the, like, new skincare line. Yeah. yeah. And we walk in, and Cameron Diaz was there, and she yes. came up to me, and she was like, you have such beautiful skin. And I was literally eight <laughs> years old. And I was, you know, like, and hearing Empowered. little things. Yeah, totally. Because I, you know, like... I always felt good about myself, but, you know, you get, like, the little side comments, like, my cousins would always, like, call me, like, you're a little whale, or, like, you're, like, yeah. chubby Usher, or, like, chubby Eve, and I would be like, what? Like, I'm just a kid, you know? But, yeah. um, my skin, I guess, was, like, my security blanket, but in a good way. Like, totally. Yeah. And so, it was something for me to feel proud about. And then, I just always loved products. It sounds so weird, but me I... Me too. I think um, my mom always had tons. I was always interested, and I really always cared about, like, feeling literally soft and hydrated ever yeah. since I can remember. And, you know, when you're um, darker, too, it's like you can start to look ashy, so that was always, like, a priority, too. Like, oh, can't be ashy. Um, like a super clear visual yeah, of the it, Yeah, exactly. Um and, you know, ever since I can remember, even in middle school and high school, my girlfriends would always ask me about, what should I, what products should I use? I was using, I think, like, Pericone MD and Kiehl's under the age of 10 years old. You know, like, I Status. was on it, you yeah. know? And so when I did that, when I got that fresh calendula, that was probably, like, my first, like, fun toner that I ever got from Kiehl's. Um, calendula. Yes. Obviously, I don't know how to say it. I, I've heard calendula. I've heard calendula. I'm not exactly sure, but yeah. I always say calendula. Um, where it had, like, the the raw leaves at the bottom. Ooh, um, and it, it felt, like, and it so felt natural really natural. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Kiehl's, I mean, it's so funny to me now when I hear people are like, I just discovered Kiehl's, and I'm like, oh, I was using that 20 years ago, literally. Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, but, so it kind of started there, and then in high school, I just really kind of fostered, I was really good, I was a big geek, like, I, I didn't, like, party or really go out or anything, I was totally into school, and then I just, my favorite class was art history, so I kind of made the decision that when I went to college, I would kind of pursue art, and I wanted to be a curator, and so... 
Um, you know, I did that, and then by the time I was 22, I kind of had a dream job. I was a curatorial research assistant at the Huntington Library, and from 18 to 24, I had worked at, I did everything, uh, galleries, private galleries, institutions, so I got, like, a really good insight. Yeah, I hustled, though, because I knew, I knew if I wanted to be a curator, it was like I'd have to study a lot, and I'd have to network a lot, right? Yeah. So, basically, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was like, I'm going to work for every single person I knew in, in the arts. So, I've, I've gone you know, internships with the Getty and free money from all these institutions. So I really worked my ass off. Um, and then after college, I was like, I'm going to move to Paris Mm -hmm. and art's going to be my thing. And my best friend was living there and she was getting her master's in curatorial work. But it was so funny, like the art thing never really happened. And I kind of ended up just being a nanny and I was in Europe just kind of fucking around, honestly, and traveling, which was so necessary. Especially after being a hard, because I was like a hard ass in high school too. Totally. So in terms of academic expectations Mm -hmm. or just relations, but I partied a lot too. Yeah. So it must have been nice for you to have kind of a. It was so nice. Yeah. And even in college, it was like I was still always like, I would drive, I went to um, Pitzer, which is in Claremont, which is like 45 minutes outside of LA. So I would drive, you know, to like Larchmont Beauty or like basically Sephora or Glendale Galleria to get all my products and stuff. So that was always in the background. And yeah, again, never went away. Yeah, in college, I would ever, all the girls on my floor would always be like, what toner should I use? And Claremont Pitzer specifically was really, you know, it was like hippie vibes. I was going to say, it's granola, Yes, right? crunchy, we smoked a lot of weed, a lot of drugs, just a lot of that. I so see. Yes. But like not so vain or something. Not so vain. Right? Like, everyone was supernatural, which was, I think that time period was when I really started kind of embracing, like, I went from high school where I would do, I was super into makeup, and then you go to college, and then, I don't know, things change. You get a little older, not much, but um, never wore makeup. I just wore, like, super short, high-waisted shorts, and, yeah, you know, we all were really, I think it was a good environment for me, in a way. Um because I reduced all that kind of stuff and just wanted my skin to look good and my hair to look good. Um, But I always stood out because I was always changing my hair. I did a post on my Instagram the other day of me wearing some color contacts. Yeah, I I love that. I used to love playing with my exterior self. Yeah. I've had weaves, I've had cornrows to my ass, I've had purple, blue, pink hair, like I've had... Tilda Swin short hair, you know, so yeah. that always interested me, but at my core, I knew I felt really good about myself. I love how on that Instagram post, people were commenting, like, super Latina, extra Latina, but it's funny because it was when you were using lighter colored contacts <laughs> that you were eliciting that response. Yeah, I think, I think it's just, when you look back at photos, which that photo was 2009, which is crazy that it was 10 years ago, but I think even just little motifs, like which relates to this bigger beauty trend thing, you know? It's like you look at the skinny eyebrows, because back 10 years ago, Kardashians were on the scene, you know, it wasn't about the big brows, it was skinnier brows, you know? Um, Bronzer, like a lot of bronzer and self-tanners. Yeah, so I think it's funny that people picked up, I'm happy people picked up on that, because I wasn't, I don't know if I was really... That wasn't maybe what I was going for. I think I was trying to go for, like, flower child vibes, like, hippie vibes, you know? Um, 
but yeah, I you love... know flower children and their colored contacts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Such a contradiction, but I like that. Like I, when people would be like, "You should cut your hair short," I'd be like, "No, I'm gonna grow or Get like extensions." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I was always anti everything. Establishment. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I guess going back to Paris, I was kind of struggling in my favorite pastime, and this is when it all links together. This was like 2013, 2014, which was really not that long ago, but I would always hang out in French pharmacies and just be like amazed at the products. Um, And also like the culture there really started to influence how I saw beauty. Um, When I was living in Europe, I was a broke, so I didn't get manicures, I didn't get pedicures, I never cut my hair. I never bought makeup. I would go to the drugstore and buy the cheapest stuff. But what I learned from there was that um, the hierarchy wasn't as crazy as it is in the U.S. market. In terms of products? Yeah. So, um, and I've always been into products, so it was really, it was like research at that point. You know, you could go to ESOP, because there were ESOPs all over France, and Paris specifically, or you could go to the French pharmacies and discover these amazing brands that were basically, you know, for French people, they're over-the-counter Neutrogena, but in terms of ingredient content, a hundred times, A, better for you, B, a little bit more developed, um, in terms of formula. Yeah. Um, and just overall beneficial and accessible, which I loved because I'm obsessed with the idea of accessibility and products because it's a big, it's kind of controversial. Yeah, of course, of course. Disparity, right? Yeah, but in France it was like, you know, if you wanted to take care of yourself externally, of course I'm talking topicals, right? Um, You know, you could do so for 40, 50 euros and that would last you two, three months and, you know, you'd be good. Um, so I would hang out there all the time and I just buy stuff, you know, balms, creams, and over there the three huge brands are La Roche-Posay, which uh-huh. you know, Aven, um, and oh, yeah. Caudalie, right? Yeah. So, and it's so funny because when I came back... They're all here now. They're all here now, but they're they jacked up. The price is yeah. so much higher here. Oh, um, yeah, whereas it's more accessible there because yeah. it's just the regular, but totally. the it's here, it's like, that's a It's French imported. Oven. Yeah. Spray, yeah, totally. So, you know, I started connecting the dots, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I think that kind of, when I was there and realized, I didn't really care about contemporary art, and that was basically, it was either, like, sales or galleries, um or go and get my PhD, so I didn't really want to do that. So I decided I'm going to move back, and I'm going to work for skincare companies, and then that's when you and I kind of met, and I was working for ESOP. So, yeah. I'd never worked in retail, so that was... mm -hmm. Because you had already been in the kind of art world. Mm Mm-hmm. Wait, what I love about that Cameron Diaz story is that one of the juiciest pieces of celebrity gossip... I was obsessed with gossip as a kid. Uh I guess I still am, but... Celebrities these days control their own images too much where we don't get, like, that good gossip anymore. Mm -hmm. But I remember hearing from my aunt and from different sources about how horrible Cameron Diaz's skin always was, which might sound shaming, but a lot of gossip is. Um, So that compliment is pretty extra exciting because she probably was truly envious of your amazing skin. Well, which is so funny because I think, like... I think that's when Charlie's Angels came out and everything, so it was just like, I was like... (gasps) Peak Diaz. Yeah. So, but I definitely remember that moment. Um, And so, yeah. 
So when you were working out here and you were like, I'm going to work for a skincare company, Mm -hmm. you were learning a lot about formulation there, right? Because even before that, it seemed like you already had a little bit of an idea. Yeah. I feel like most of us as consumers of skincare, there's not, like a lot of us are pretty ignorant when it comes Mm -hmm. to how things are actually made. So I guess I'm wondering like, is there any basic product literacy or was there something that you learned early on about what to look for? Yeah, I think um, I learned at an early age and I I think it was probably from magazines and a combination of my mother and I always had this motto because I know for a fact that I've been doing this since I was six or seven. Yeah. My main model was always cleanse, tone, hydrate. Right? So I always, like, knew that I had a cleanser. I had my calendula toner Uh and my moisturizer, right? Um, So, and then as I got older, you get more advanced, you know? I was like, okay, I can... It just always made sense to me, and I think that when I got to Aesop, I already had so much... My obsession helped, because I would always look stuff up, and I was always at the stores looking at products. So what... I admire about Aesop, and I think it's still one of the best companies I've ever worked for. Um, Their training is phenomenal. Even if you... I actually got hired to do management, and then I ended up doing... um, What do you call it? It's... um, like regional management, so I was looking cool. after all of the stores, and um, but even just the basic training that you get there, they really take you through all the steps of what a cleanser, a toner, a serum, an eye cr- cream is, mm-hmm. um, which I really admired, and they give you these textbooks where you can look up every single ingredient, what it is, what's a surfactant, what's an emollient, and I think there where I was kind of like, oh, this is super scientific and Mm -hmm. real and I want to jump into this because even in 2013 2014 people were really starting to ask like what is sulfate or what's a paraben whereas like now everybody's like no do yeah no but it's crazy how I you see that transition yeah um so that was kind of the first like scientific step that I saw and then I started comparing it's so crazy because it all happens organically I started kind of comparing Aesop's ingredients to some of the products I'd picked up in France and noticed that still there was a big difference still French products were generally a little bit cleaner so um I gained a lot of knowledge with them and even working within a store um I got to see a little bit. That was my first introduction of research and development in terms yeah. of products. R&D. Yeah, R&D, which was really cool. Um, and I think to this day, had I stayed with them, I probably, that's probably where I would be because I was just so you were fascinated. fascinated. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like it's like a fun chemistry class, you know. Totally. Um, so I think that training was great, and I think that's what, Probably, I mean, I still pass these up stores today, and they're still really packed, and they're still doing so well. So I think yeah, definitely, they, and yeah. they're also aspirational. I think you totally. Know, when I bought my mama like a tangerine uh, hand cream or something uh-huh. from them, I was like, she liked it and stuff, but I wanted her to be like, I wanted her. I was like, this is a great cream. Like yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it felt no, totally. You know, luxury to me because yeah. it's not only natural, but it's as you said artistically designed or packaged just the branding is so strong Mm -hmm. and I think also what I learned there was I learned a lot about 
kind of marketing and also, you know, the gendering of the market too, where I'd never seen so many, you know, men basically coming into stores and being really into skincare. And it was simply because Aesop uses medicine bottles and it's sexy and it's like, quote unquote, more masculine, you know? So even just understanding that marketing, I mean, you learn, so people shit on retail, but when you do it at a young age and you start, you pick up the pieces and I think I totally credit working in those stores of you know I can run a store I know how to open a store if I wanted to but it's so much bigger than that you learn about demographics and business and what you would do if you opened yours yeah totally so it was I mean I still i still back Aesop to this day. I don't use them as much anymore because there's so many products out there, but I still admire them. At that time of my life, it was like, oh man, I learned so much. I stole that hand lotion and I use it regularly (laughs) still. Oh yeah, no, I still get... And it was, maybe it was Mandarin, not Tangerine. Yeah, no, I um, still give people, maybe Resurrection hand cream, the pink tube. Um, it's orange. But wait, what was B meets C? Or there's a legendary. Oh, yes, I think I was saying this wrong too. Aesop product. Um, B triple C, the yeah. gel. Yeah. So that was. A, what does that do? Or what was even in it? It was part of the like Aesop advanced line for those who were looking for anti-aging kind of products, and it was B triple C. So for every vitamin B, you get three, basically like servings of vitamin C. Oh. Um, and. Aesop was really big on vitamins, which sounds silly, but they were specifically... Medicine bottles. Yeah. <laughs> they were into precursors of vitamins. So vitamin B is panthenol, um, and vitamin C would be uh, like ascorbic acid or whatever um, derivative of vitamin C. Um, so it was this kind of viscous kind of gel, but then when you put it on, like your skin just drinks. Like a gel. Yeah, literally, <laughs> like cummy gel molasses, maybe, yeah. you know, like kind of brownie. Thick, yeah. Um, and people would freak over that product because there wasn't gels generally, and this is from personal observation, don't tend to be as marketable for some reason. Like people mm-hmm. love the rich creams and like the whipped, almost frosting looking product, Same. but gels... For some reason, it seems don't like it's catch. Not doing as much yeah, because it's lighter. Or exactly, something. but that product was such a standout. I actually forget about it sometimes. But I it's totally really good. forgot about it. But yeah. as we began speaking, when I say you changed my skin as soon as I met you with samples of that product, I was like, "Wow!" I ha-, and it was my first time really working a job where I would create enough. I always was a product whore, but I never allowed myself to venture into the upper echelon of product shopping until sort of working on Habit Kitty and right. you and then trying that sample and then I remember you describing how you put it on like everybody after a crazy party or something and the next morning everyone was so stoked on their beauty. Totally because it was plumping it was like the hangover cure for your yeah. skin. So. It's funny too because I wanted to ask you about vitamin C um, mm-hmm. because I just remember you always there's so many sources of skincare information now, like literally everybody wants to talk about it all the time or everybody is talking about it for various reasons, but I remember a few years ago, mm-hmm. Azealia Banks Instagrammed something to the effect of, if you smoke cigarettes or if you've ever been around smokers, you better be wearing vitamin C serums mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And since that product is so rich in vitamin C, I guess I'm just wondering, like, is that true? Who should everybody wear vitamin C? Or that's such a good question because I literally get asked that probably every single day. Um, 
I think vitamin C is amazing. I think the issue with that is there's so many vitamin C products out there and there's definitely a hierarchy, but what I've noticed is that everyone, not everyone does well with vitamin C. Mm -hmm. If you tend to have reactive, sensitive skin, let's say you have maybe like a little bit of rosacea, um, vitamin C can be a little active. So, Uh um, but vitamin C is one of the best, it's one of the best vitamins that you can put on your skin because it does help with kind of overall brightening and also evenness of the skin. Um, So if hyperpigmentation or something is your concern that's a really solid way to go yeah um and also like what you just said um azalea banks that makes sense yeah um protecting your skin from what she's hinting at is a even bigger discussion but um vitamins basically high antioxidant products help protect your skin against free radicals which is basically it's a fancy way of saying pollution pollution artificial lighting um tight air conditioned spaces which like We're an airplane. Artificial uh, lighting. Yeah, what is co- that doing? No I eyes? know, it's crazy. <laughs> Just like premature aging all around us. Um but yeah, I mean vitamin C vitamin C with E, for example, is the best natural way to encourage collagen production. So Ooh. which is we can talk about that later if you want. But yeah. all of a sudden collagen powder, vital proteins is like all oh, over. Honestly, let's talk about it yeah. because I meant to I will admit I have some notes in front of me and I wanted to make a note of that because people have asked me about it so many times because of our friendship. (laughs) People now think that I'm a great source, but I am in terms of just like being so available to it or just like always trying stuff. But I remember, I don't know if it was you or somebody else, they were like, do you eat meat? And I was like, honestly, more than most people I know. Uh-huh. And they were like, well, if you eat any amount of meat regularly, like, you don't really need to take a collagen supplement. But I swear, Vital Proteins is not only now at Target, which was shocking to me over the weekend, but everybody has it. Every influencer has it on their little yeah. nightstand. Everyone puts it in their matcha. And I'm like, wow, all these people go- put, like, ghee and oat milk in their matcha. And then they scoop yeah. in a big thing of, like, beef collagen it's It's so weird it's so crazy yeah i i have so many thoughts about this i can't believe the growth of collagen over the last four years i was using vital proteins maybe four years ago where you could only get it online and the reason the only reason why i knew about it was because i think i'd read about jennifer aniston using it in like vogue or (laughs) something like kind of bougie yeah and um at the time, I was pretty vegetarian, so I really wanted to up the game. And so, for those of you who don't know, collagen, the best source of it really comes from meat, from cows. So you can either get vital proteins, you can do collagen peptides, or you can do gelatin. Gelatin's even better. Oh, um, really? But, mo- you know, now... The word peptide I know, so no, exciting. yeah. Gelatin's super good for your skin, because it's just like fat, yummy fat, yeah. um, and skin cells love that, or cells but love like that. you could eat a primer it. Totally. <laughs> so I'm not, I used to be really deep in the powder supplement world, and as I've gotten older, I just really think it's about, I try to get all of those nutrients, including collagen, through my food, you know, so I eat everything, I don't exclude anything from my diet, but I... 
eat meat for that reason because I know it's good for it's my, my not only does my body love it and I feel good energetically but yeah. it's good you know some like bone marrow or even just like a, a little bit of marbled like tuna or like yeah. some fatty like a fatty steak that is so so good for your skin um that of is course epic breakthrough yeah, because yeah. I mean the conversation is like it's so creepy the like I mean, you know, this is a larger conversation, but yeah. it's super, like, cleaner, the better. Yeah. Like, the cleaner you get, the more you're going to glow. Of sort course. Of like, that's not really necessarily true. But that cleaner, you know, like, notion is, it can be taken so far because also I'm talking about, you know, ideally if you can and if you have access to it, it's obviously you want to be getting organic, non-GMO meat or free range, whatever. Yeah. Um... Not all of us have that privilege, you know, but still, like, I'm still I guess, bonds yeah, but no, 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 but, like, <laughs> I'm saying, if you're gonna try to just go the route of getting nutrients through your food, then make it a, you know, you can incorporate it, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm Latin, so I'm always getting carne asada tacos, you know? Yeah, I don't totally. know where that meat's coming from, but, you know, I don't do that all the time. Exactly. But I just don't really find, I'm really such a foodie now and I love ex- the experience of food and dining yeah so I just don't we really yeah I don't find <laughs> we don't want to rave like the rest of our friends yeah. we want to chat and dine yeah. and I don't find spa. a lot of joy in putting collagen peptides in my coffee although a lot of my clients are so big on it, and I gotta say that they're glowing and they look beautiful. But I also really think it's just about kind of doing. They're you. also coming to see you it's all the time. Yeah, there's that too. You know, it's there's so many variables in moving. Everyone's parts. obsessed with an activated morning drink. And yeah, I mean, I definitely put some. Not every day, but I I have some supplements like Makuna from Moon Juice, which is supposed to be like the dopamine bean. Uh huh. And honestly, the first day I used it, I didn't look at the serving instruction, and I put, like, a hefty Like, tablespoon, yeah. And I threw up. Yeah. But then, now I use my acrylic nail to scoop (laughs) just, like, a tiny pinch, and I put it in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, I revisit back and forth. It feels Um, good, right? Yeah. Those rituals, but it's sort of, like, what rituals am I investing in? Totally. And I think, I guess what I want to communicate to people is, you know, I also think if you're struggling with X and Y, adaptogens, um, collagen powders, um, any kind of supplements is a really exciting world to get into. I just, what I always tell people is start small instead of just shoving all this shit in your body and you don't exactly know what it's doing to you. Which thing is doing what? Yeah. I mean, you work your way up, you know, the two, I'm very simple. The two supplements that I do not go without, which I think is the basis of my health kind of are my probiotics and I take chlorella every single day. I started taking chlorella in Paris because I was feeling, honestly, I wasn't eating a lot of vegetables, just like butter and croissants and a lot of meat. And I felt like my whole being felt a little gray. Like that sounds weird, but I just felt kind of dull. It's evocative language. Yeah. So I, uh, started taking chlorella Chlorella. slash spirulina and the difference is, uh, chlorella is a single cell algae Uh and spirulina is multiple. Um, but you can get cleaner, a little bit cleaner chlorella, um, organic and non-GMO, whereas spirulina, I think it's 
while there's Hawaiian Pacific, which I really like. Um, but yeah, if you're, I'm kind of a freak about labels sometimes, but especially if I'm going to take supplements. To read them. Well, yeah, if I'm going to take supplements, it's like I want the best shit. Obviously. Yeah, totally. So, because they're all expensive, exactly. so you might as well get the best one. Exactly. So I take um, Garden of Life uh, Primal Defense soil based probiotics. Um, and then I take, uh, Earth Force Chlorella. I take two a day. And they're both capsules? Mm-hmm. They're both cool. capsules. And I don't even, I keep it, you know, with probiotics. If you read the label, you, like, work your way up to three or four servings. And Chlorella, you can take six tablets a day. But even that, I still only take one or two max. Because I don't feel like my, I'm going to try, as I said, to reiterate, get all those nutrients through my food. Exactly. And so you're using it more supportive and exactly. not in place and of not something. dependent on it. Yeah, Does that totally. make sense? So, yeah. yeah, that's super helpful. And I will probably not be alone in ordering both of those things as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about so like sort of getting in back into your personal narrative, like being at ESOP, being mm-hmm. a manager, enjoying yourself, mm-hmm. learning so much. I'm wondering if you felt any anxiety or fear of departing from sort of this like beautiful path that you had followed pretty closely mm-hmm. I'm just curious like was that an easy transition for you or did you feel like weighing the odd you know weighing the consequences of having invested all this time into more art spaces and then I guess I'm wondering because of that it's like you finished college mm-hmm. you were a great student mm-hmm. and then you had this experience afterward but then Pretty quickly after, while working retail, you began school again at Aveda, right? Yeah, so yeah. what was that kind of like? It was crazy because even when I was working for ESOP, I kept, in the back of my head, I kept thinking, oh, is this just kind of a temporary thing? Because you spent so much money on college and it was all I had ever done, right? So, um, but very quickly, I mean... Honestly, I didn't give a shit about a, about the store or managing. I yeah. either wanted to go in research and development, right, for help formulate products, um, or I realized through the job, yeah. I realized through the job that my favorite thing was uh, helping customers uh, and listening to their stories. And it was rare because everyone in Venice was really beautiful, not yeah. going to lie. So it was rare, but we'd get a, I'd get a few people... Um, ESOP had a very meticulous protocol on how to, um, pick products for clients. Mm -hmm. So it was there where I just realized very quickly that I loved basically the customer experience and just interacting with people and I could give a shit about numbers and that corporate thing. Um, so then it was very clear to me. I was like, okay, I think I need to start touching people and doing facials and treatments. And I didn't know what it looked like, but, um, it was totally scary because it was still early where, um, you know, beauty was still very much thought as beauty and not so much health and wellness. So it was literally embarrassed of the idea of being like, Oh, I used to work, have this super serious curatorial research job. And now I'm going to like, go to beauty school, basically, you know, um, so, but I just knew, I just knew I had to do it, so I, like, went, there weren't that many programs offered in LA, and then I, I was selfish, and I wanted to go to the place, I basically, 
when Aveda was gray, it wasn't perfect, mm-hmm. um, but it was either Aveda or I think Santa Monica City College or even Paul Mitchell. And in my head, I was like, Paul Mitchell, like, that's a hair school, you know, yeah. like, I'm not going to go there. And then Santa Monica City College was affordable and I really wanted to do it, but it was so hard to get in. So I said, fuck it. What I'm is a- with that college? Like, nobody can get in. I know, no, it's like... <laughs> inclusive to the be exclusive, you know, CC like in the world. Yeah. I, I really wanted to do that program, but I just kept missing, you know, like I couldn't get in and I, I'm, when I'm committed to something I'm like, okay, like let's go, let's get it. Yeah. And, um, I just wanted to get it over with because I was also, you know, you're a student again. So you freak out and think about how you're going to make money. Right. So there was that. And I managed to save a little bit from ESOP because I had a salary job there. So I just had, what, less than 10 grand, maybe nine, 10 grand in the bank and decided that I wasn't going to work. Um, and I signed up for Aveda. And then within like a month, I quit ESOP. Then I started Aveda. Um, and it, that was really hard. It was amazing. I loved it. Not many people know this, but uh, Aveda was based on Ayurvedic principles, so you learn a lot of kind of Eastern philosophies, meridian channels, pressure points, reflexology, um, which today I try to dive deeper into all the time. Um, That is really cool. Yeah, so I was in Westwood doing that three to four days a week, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., had no social life, but I got it done really quickly in, I think, six and a half, seven months, so... Cool, and that was a lot of foundational support because you were learning a whole, like, school of thought attached to it, which... Totally. I feel like not only are you so sort of an expert in terms of product formulations Mm -hmm. and, like, skin conditions, but you also are constantly amassing knowledge about approaches to skincare, and... Totally. There's not only one, right? Yeah. So that model was interesting because of Aveda at the end of it, it's like you do clinicals and then I started taking clients and I mean, not to flex, but I was getting booked all the time, even at school. And that's when I, that was kind of the cherry on top where I said, oh, I'm really good at this. But I think it was collective experiences and and knowledge, you know, I sort of painting. You had to learn all of these sublines from Aveda and I boom, picked it up because I, that's exactly what I did for ESOP. You know, Mm -hmm. all these little advantages started going my way. And even in school, you basically start working for Aveda, right? Does that make sense? So I was getting booked and it just kind of kept happening. And then I, I think by the time I graduated school, I'd probably given over a hundred facials already. So cool. So I, I was ready, you know, so I was ready to do it. And, um, but I was really eager to, you know, just learn more obviously. So it is interesting now how, since you've began your career, it's been clarified that skincare is more of a health wellness or Mm -hmm. now it sort of straddles both worlds, but even in spaces like Sephora or even CVS, there's now such designated skincare areas where the branding or the conversation is more of a health and wellness type of thing instead of, like, the thing you put on before makeup, you know? Right. Um, I guess related to that, too, it's like you were saying you had a little bit of an anxiety that you were just becoming, like, a Mac girl and like painting faces and that that was somehow really like looks obsessed or even in this conversation I already made a mention of vanity but Mm -hmm. 
so much of what you do when you're interacting with customers or clients rather is really emotional, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I would love to hear how you sort of see yourself as somebody who helps people and like what kind of needs or, you know, questions people have for you because how we feel about, I feel like, and it's funny that you mentioned it in relation to your own body as mm-hmm. a kid because I feel like the understanding of beauty now is widening, but regardless of your gender or your race or, um, I don't know, other factors or, like, the size of your body, you still need good skin. Like, the yeah. cultural mandate is still more than ever, like, you need beaming, smooth, you know, imperfectionless skin. So I guess I'm wondering, like, how does, like, people must feel, I feel like, slighted by that standard and I know that my skin is pretty good so mm-hmm. I can only imagine the kind of emotional crises even people bring to you oh yeah I get a lot of it I to kind of loop back into it I definitely see myself when I first started I really liked being called an esthetician and now I like being called a healer which yeah you know, I also think is a little like a Couldn't skin healer. It. I know yeah. it is a little like crystally and woo woo, but I we are, yeah, yeah. But I realize that I'm also a major empath, and I'm a Pisces, so I there's like I hold a lot of spiritual power, and I've had a few healers tell me that that that's part of my gift, you know. So yeah. I get I feel for someone, you know, I have clients who. I've worked with over a course of a few months, maybe even a year, and um, who are really going through major skin issues. I'm talking like cystic acne, really intense hormonal acne. Yeah. Um, Ugh, that's you know, so real. it's really fucking hard, and I feel it. I feel every bit of it. And what brings me a lot of joy is not only being able to physically, you know, work on their skin, of course, but it's also just giving them an hour of my ears so I can hear them talk and vent. Because it literally, and that's that beautiful transition from vanity to health and wellness, right? Because so much of it is emotional and psychological, and so many people really suffer from literally physical pain of, like, acne or any yeah. kind of skin issue, um, it can be or even severe rosacea, or yeah, like or... literally hot pockets on their face. So, you know, it definitely puts things in perspective. You know, we all want this. Of course, now the standard is glowy, just healthy skin, but it takes a lot of work. You know, and even me, you know, my skin's always been pretty healthy. It's not that it's perfect. I just really work hard at it. You know, so I, it's part of the work process. You know, yeah. and I. I get a lot, you know, a lot of it is really emotional and I feel, um, I feel sorry for people to have to go through that. But at the, in the bigger picture, it's more of just getting to help people literally figure out their lives because it's usually a way bigger thing. It's either old trauma Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, someone who's really working their ass off and doesn't get any sleep. I see that all the time. Or also people who party a lot, which is always kind of my favorite to dive into because obviously I, I just grew out of my party phase early, but you know, like I've had my cocaine moment, like I've done, I've had my been like drinking, major drinking moments and I was one of the few people who could get away with it. But you know, I see also a lot of people who are just really bringing 
big drinkers or, you know, like to do a lot of drugs and they're not happy with their skin and it's like, yeah. It's totally related, I right? mean, yeah, you're putting stuff in your body that um, it doesn't need. Yeah. And it's foreign, so it's, of course, it's going to manifest on your skin, you know. So, and that's where I think, I guess, being an, a millennial, I can, it works to my advantage because I get it. And so yeah. I also try to be realistic with people, you know. I'm like, I'm not telling you to stop. I Especially want, as a healing kind of person. Totally. You don't have that sort of, like, wellness, yeah. white veil of purity Totally. It's boundary. not about that. It's more just about letting you know, you know, if you lower that or if you stop s- snorting snor- so much glow yeah. your skin's gonna glow better <laughs> or just like yeah like literally just like little things like that i'm very realistic trust me i love tequila yeah. i love me some or but you drink weed. like a gallon of water but, every yeah, time you, drink you know it's like alcohol you find it's little puzzle pieces so i try to you know especially with my youngins my yeah. babies i try to just be almost like like a ther- therapist Without, like, the crazy notepad slash just, you know, just tell me what you're going through and then I'm going to try to manifest good energy healing to you, you, healing for you, you know. And that's where I get to have a lot of fun and, um, because I, a lot of my work is a lot about intention too and I, um, people don't know this because I don't talk about it to them a lot, but when I'm giving a facial I'm, like, basically like praying for them totally you know, to Aww. feel good and um have a good day uh-huh. or you know if they have an audition you know I'm like yeah. please like let them do super what like I just called you know the the goddesses and yeah you know I I want everyone to feel really good about themselves so it's yeah. so nice it makes me water with tears <laughs> because I think it's so real and it yeah. feels that way with you and Andrea is clearly worth every penny of her services because it is something a lot, you know, beyond the skin. Um, something else is sort of personal, but also in terms of your approach to the mm-hmm. field you work in. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, as a Latina woman and just as somebody who's very inclusive by nature mm-hmm. as an empath and as somebody rooted in really cool values, I guess I'm wondering, like, what you think about in terms of, like, decolonizing beauty a little bit or obviously I'm a white person and... I understand that most of our skincare and beauty recommendations have traditionally been filtered through servicing somebody that looks like me or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, like, how have people of color been excluded or minimized by skincare and beauty? And, like, what can be done to correct some of that oversight? Like, why are you on a campaign to talk about how melanin matters? Yeah. What's yeah. up with that? Um, I, that is so central to everything that I do. And this is such an important question to me because I feel like just, you know, being Latina, it's, um, it's just really important to me to talk about different skin types. And, um, I think that, I think a lot of it has changed and we're really lucky. I mean, even just, I'm going to start with like marketing first because I think that's the biggest switch that I've seen is you walk into Sephora now and you see this beautiful wall where you have all these literal mixed honeys and like Latinas and black women and Asian women and gingers and, you know, the blonde babes. And it's so exciting because, I mean, growing up, Everything was, I mean, pretty standard. And, and standard in the most... 
Elle McPherson. Yeah, like, like Elle McPherson, um, Jessica Simpson, Britney Spears. Yeah. You know, it's like, I... Even the blondes casted now are freakier. Yeah. Now no, they no. put a freaky blonde because you know, it's like, totally. like minimizing the, alt, the yeah, white like the supremacy alt, of it. The alt, like... The queer blonde queer, yes, with a pixie. Which I love. Me too. You know? I, I want to um, <laughs> So I think, and I get this, I sort of manifested it because I have to say that ever, from my collective work experience that I've pretty much always worked under... Um, White, white females, yeah. yeah, and white people. Um, so there were always, even at ESOP, I'd be like, you know, if someone who's Latino or black came in, I'd be like, you probably want to go with this one because it's going to help your scars, you know? Because yeah. basically, my whole if you follow me on Instagram, I, I try to be a have a consistent hashtag of melanin, and um, because I want people to see that. It's almost a different ball game. And I don't mean that, I don't, not to separate things, but it's just, you know, I've had some mentors be like, all skin is skin, which is totally true, but it's just a scientific, biological thing. And also, I fucking lived it. When I get a blemish, it takes my blemish three months to go away, whereas, you know, um, someone else who is fairer than me, so lucky, which is you know, I'm a little bit jealous of this fact. It can heal in a week or two and yeah, you're good, totally. you know, but we have so much melanocytes and they, they basically build, um, and it's a protective thing. It's a really beautiful thing, but it takes a long time for that to even out. And that's basically my, all my brown and black clientele that I work with. That's either, if not the number one priority, second, you know, so I'm always trying to find ways of, including that space and I feel like that's really my job because I want to help people that look like me like that is such a privilege and I love being that gap that or that connector yeah yeah that I'm able to because um even in green beauty which is um there's this woman that I follow out of Canada her name is um her Instagram handle is a story of mar and she has recently, she's worked in Green Beauty, and she's a creative director, I think, for a company in Canada, but she's basically, and she's a white woman, and she's basically called out Green Beauty companies because they're so, (laughs) everything from the branding to the messaging is so white, and I mean that in literally a marketing kind of standpoint. In the most disparaging way. (laughs) In the most, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And it's, funny because I was working for a a beauty company called Cat Beauty for a little bit last year. Um, and I was always so excited. One thing that was great is that you'd have the owners and trainers come and talk about their products. And I'd always get really excited to Mm -hmm. be like, Oh, like maybe she's, you know, like I would basically secretly, but I'd I'd like pray. I'd be like, it'd be really cool if she was like Indian or Persian or like Mexican. And it wasn't like that. Yeah, At all is basically what I'm gonna. It's like a lot of Frenchies, a lot of Dan- you know. But because I just I think a lot of I'm also in support of you know Cap was very much all about women and small business owners, which is another it's thing that sits at my you core. Congratulate, but it yeah. doesn't take away. Yeah, from but the it's lack also of- like what I would have always dreamt of is basically like having like this one female that was. 
selfishly Latina and could come in and be a powerhouse and tell me all the great things about her green beauty company and or her it's beauty made company. For someone like you, yeah. which that's not selfish because that's something that someone like me experiences every day. Totally. And I just always wanted that. But now I've kind of, I mean, that's what I want to be. And I, on a small level, I feel like I've been achieving that and it feels really fucking good because I've manifested it. I'm getting, I have so many, I work with a lot of, um, black females. I work with a lot of, um, Persian females. So they're all kind of coming black to me. Men, yeah, black men. Yeah. Black men. Yeah. Sorry if it's um, not private. No, no, no. no. It's I, yeah, no, it's not <laughs> private. It's on Instagram, but all people like I, you know, I'm trying to bring in the otherness into the space and I'm also manifesting like my trans friends and I want every, cause there's, that's a whole bigger conversation too, but spas and studios aren't exactly, don't feel that's super safe. That's what I was going to say. Even as yeah. a fat person, that's how I feel. Totally. Like I'm surprised by how comfortable I felt in some of these spaces, but it's because you're the one welcoming me there. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always, that's always my goal. I'm like, it's not to equate that either, but it just, no. for, there's all sorts of people who yeah. but I very don't much... feel as comfortable walking into these kind of chic as fuck ego studios yeah well yeah and i think that i hope that i i want to be if i have to experience the awkwardness or the weirdness so that everybody else could feel comfortable great i'm so down to do that yeah there's been so many times where i walk into a place where i'm like oh i'm gonna be the ethnic girl here but at least you know hopefully someone who else who looks like me or even has in the most you know, minute way, like, has the same hair color as me or, you know, like, feels like they look like me as I feel comfortable, great. I'll take that and smooth it out so that everybody else can feel comfortable. Because like, that's my... Because access to that yes, feeling. It's the it's, same with, like, yoga, where you need yoga teachers of every race or every body size or every gender expression exactly. because everyone deserves access to that. Definitely. And I think um, even just... I'm just thinking about all the people that I work on, and it's such a beautiful bunch. I mean, obviously, there's... I'm always constantly working with new people, but I've never worked with such a diverse crowd, which is really crazy. But I think, um, you know, I'm obviously manifesting it, but putting it out there. But then it's, you know, becomes contagious. And I also... It's crazy. In my little small following that I have, you know, I get so many DMs from girls all over mainly girl like demographically like um young females who are like oh my god you know a lot of latinas a lot of black women who are like oh my god i can't believe you're doing this in this space because there's not many of you you know and not that i'm like i'm not famous at all but i at least i'm a resource you know i'm like a little resource for someone to feel like i'm relatable and approachable and that's all i ever you know. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Because also, I mean, I'm pretty ignorant to this, but I would imagine that's similar to hair or something else that if someone, for example, an esthetician is super ignorant and they believe that, not that every person that believes this is ignorant, but just that they ignorantly believe skin is skin, may, is, could it be that they would approach extracting a black woman's skin or something in a way that had potential consequence? Totally. And there's just, that's all it is. It's just learning and understanding. I've learned a lot of tricks and tips for, you know, um, cause it's me. Like I've, I've had damage on my skin from an esthetician that went too hard on my skin. And now I, I have like, um, and I don't care, but it's, um, you know, you can't, you have to be a little bit more delicate. And Is it like scarring somewhere. you Yeah, have, scarring. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's our biggest fear as a brown person. That's my biggest fear. 
because it takes forever to heal, you know? So, um, yeah, it's just little things that, you know, if you haven't had to experience it, then I'm, you're not, I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming that as a, you know, she just didn't know because she hasn't lived it. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's just learning and understanding. And so I see it as such an amazing gift and advantage in a weird way because I, you know, it's another it's understanding on a whole nother level of different types of skin and tones out there because there's so many tones so you many know? it's far beyond i mean black yeah no of course and what's cool is that um you can really see that in makeup more so i think yeah makeup let's talk about makeup Please. for a quick second for that hours. i know my other passion i don't wear it Probably doesn't look like it, but I just genuinely love makeup. And I think that's, like, the artsy thing in totally. me, you know, like, I see makeup Same. as I'm painting, always, like, it's my know? only visual art. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've always loved it, um, but that's what's really exciting about, you know, Fenty Beauty and Anastasia, I mean, really opening up those tones. Yeah, so you know? that there's now... <sighs> it's amazing, because yeah. we really, really needed that, you know, even, I, I think, our mother's generation, it's... It's not like it was easy, you know, the Lancome and, you know, the Clinique and the Clarence, all that. I mean, you know, pretty limited, you know, yeah, of uh, course. So I think I see that inclusivity a little bit more in makeup, but also I think where in skincare it's really booming is even just representation. You know, it's, you walk into a Sephora and you see Korean skincare brands. That was not a thing a few years ago. Totally. Um, or even having naturals and non-toxic. It was like or... K-pop to Korean food to Korean yeah. beauty in the yeah. late 80s. Yeah, no, totally. And it's so rad. 21, Roy we, Choi, I mean, and then Dr. Chart. You know, <laughs> yeah. No, so it's all changing. I mean, um, and I'm going to shout her out because I love her and I really want to give you a facial, but Paloma El Sasser, it's yeah. like... You walk, you know, you see her. She's in, every Sephora yeah, target, and it's like, and it makes me feel amazing. Yes. not because I recognize her, you know, have friends in common from LA, but because she's so beautiful and so, in a way, opposite from these representations like Jessica Simpson. Or I love that yeah. we're painting her as like yeah, the I know, no, I, she but came into just, my head, but it's so true because it's like evangelical Texas white beauty as yeah. the, like, the pinnacle. That's Britney Spears from Louisiana, too. All that. Yeah. So it's so cool that her and her whole family are in I Sephora know. right now. Yeah, and so I think that is so, so cool, and now it's just... I mean, nothing makes me happier than not only seeing that, and I know for a fact that I see, like, little girls just... Anyone, little boys, little days, yeah. um, just looking up and being... So happy and thankful oh my God. that, yeah. oh my gosh, you know, I kind of feel... I belong here. I belong Actually, here. I interviewed a couple of years ago, I interviewed a family about raising their genderqueer child who used masculine pronouns, was assigned male at birth, but felt very they, felt very, not genderless, but just very fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a pretty cool story because the father who I profiled... Um, was sort of this archetypal macho man where mm. he had been a pro football player and a cop and all these different things. And um, anyway, he was retired from all of that by the time we spoke. But so this year, it was really, it was a sweet conversation for somebody who had really 
no understanding of gender fluidity, no concept of gender as binary or arbitrary for Mm -hmm. them to, you know, wholeheartedly embrace raising their child as the child wants to be raised or to exist. But so I followed up with the family in December, so last month, and um, I actually spoke to the kid for the first time, CJ, who's like nine or ten now, and... And they were telling me how obsessed they were with Sephora and that Sephora was the only place that got them through bullying in school this year and that everyone at Sephora makes them feel so good because they all love makeup and they have that in common. They can all play. And, like, they were telling me about their best makeup look of all time and just, like, so sweet because it is so creative and it's not fair that that creativity wasn't really accessible to everyone before. I love hearing that. Yeah, so So it's, you know, it's all happening. I mean... So it's slow many, and steady. Slow and steady, but it, I mean, we're still so young, so I'm so excited to see what's going to happen in the next, I mean, 10, 20, Me too. 30 years. I it's mean, funny. it's crazy. People often, and I don't even think only like haters or people who align differently in terms of my values or thoughts, like I do often hear like, remember everything's a trend, remember everything's a trend, but I'm sort of like, some of this stuff is not a trend because it was never a trend. It's about existential issues and justice, like, even in terms of like size, inclusivity, and fashion, they'll kind of tell me like, don't hold your breath, like, you know, there's not a lot lot of longevity for you, so keep modeling now, because, but it's kind of like, I think it is bullshit because the consumer is too far gone, like, kids who are growing up with this imagery now you can't take that away from them, or at least not easily, in five years. Totally. Um, yeah. No, I wouldn't. The trend thing is hard because I get it. I mean, but that's coming from like a businessy. Of course, marketing. it's a commodified you know, blah, but, blah blah blah. But, but it still, doesn't mean... it, yeah. But it doesn't. Also, then it's like, well, then why do I hear about a new, um, you know, apparel brand that goes up to two x? You know, obviously. If that's a trend, then good, because that means more people are being included and more people are going to buy it so that they can feel good and wear whatever the hell they want. and it's also one of those things where we, even, like, with just this issue of, like, body representation, like, we act like we've come so far, but um, where can I go shopping still? You know what I mean? It's still so limited, so it's like, thank God for people like Paloma, um, but, like, Let's continue to see that, you know? Exactly. Um, and so you mentioned wanting to give people facials, and mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about your work as an esthetician and healer, and yeah. I want to talk about Skin Worship, which okay. is the skin studio that you operate from. Yes. And I've had the pleasure of visiting Andrea there a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, I never get as many Instagram replies <laughs> um, as I do when I visit her there, and... It's another example of a space that I might have felt a little bit um, awkward visiting if I wasn't coming on your behalf. But Skin Worship, for people who don't know, it's a skin studio that also acts as like a healing space. Mm-hmm. So there's different factors um, in terms of like the accessibility of oracle cards and angel cards and different divination cards you can pull before you have your session so that you have a little bit of an intention. Um the place you lay on during the facial is like amethyst mm-hmm. and warmed so you get some of that crystal healing during the experience and for these reasons and a number of more it seems like it's the most influential skin place in LA like literally because so many influencers go there mm-hmm. um but as you mentioned the clientele is actually very you know varied and diverse so 
I guess with all this in mind, what, like, simply for you sets skin worship apart from other places people could go get a facial? Um, I think you hit it. You said it. I think it's the energy component and the healing component um, because I believe, and also that's what feels so good about being there at that studio is that it's really the synthesis of both. And I really do believe that if you're, if you're looking for something, you know, if you're seeking help or aid, you have to be really able to receive it. So I think we bring that to you, you know, yeah. we help open you up and then you can receive the gifts that we can give to you, you know, so nice. um, you know, some, uh, we're in the middle of, Beverly Hills, you know, so I get, I get all the, such a, you can't imagine the different types of people that come in, you know, we're on literally in Wilshire and Doheny. So, um, I think that that's really what sets us apart. I know for a fact there's nowhere else in LA where you can go get a chakra cleansing healing session with Benson and you can also get a maintenance facial where we extract you and put you under an LED. There's no one else doing that. And all I think in one. All in one. Yeah. Because it goes hand in hand. It's like a yin yang component. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think that's, I mean, we're a collective also too. And so I work really hard to check my ego at the door because there's so many studios where it can get really competitive and such, but nope. We eliminate that because then it, it ruins the vibe. We're all about vibes. The founders of um, Skin Worship are all so obsessed with energy and, um, you know, aside from crystals and all of that kind of also trending right now, yeah. um, it's kind of the real deal and we don't take it, you know, it's not, we're not trying to sell you crystals. We don't try to sell you on anything, you know, but it's more, it's, it's a feeling, it's the experience, you know, yeah. so I think that's really what sets us apart. I remember because of all the different options mm -hmm. and all these really intense healing offerings, I know you also, I was so lucky on my birthday, Andrea gave me a craniosacral treatment, uh -huh. which maybe you could explain a little bit yeah. more about that. Um, so that's one of my favorite things. I actually learned what cranial sacral was from another company that I worked for, um, Osea actually. Um, but what's great about it is that it's essentially, and there's, I scratch the surface, but essentially what it is, is, um, I work with your cranium and your, the occiput basically, which is that little space, um, underneath your head and the neck. And, yeah. um, we're basically, it's. I'm working to get your body into like a parasympathetic state, which is basically a fancy word of, uh, Relax. relaxing and calming your central nervous system. So, um, cranial sacral therapists, um, basically can do so much body work on you and it's amazing. And it basically helps to encourage, um, fluid along your spinal cord to move. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of, it's very light touching. It's very light holds. I really think that it's so effective and it just feels really good. And I, that sounds really basic, but it's it literally feels amazing. It, it feels, feels so amazing. Delicate. It's light touches that as humans, you know, unless you're, you have a loved one who's just, you know, caressing you all the time. I, I have that, but it's Me like, too. it's thank such a God. different, yeah, thank God. <laughs> but it's not even like, like to have someone designate, you know, it's a 30 minute session that I do and I'm just lightly basically touching parts of your face and 
and um, the back of your head. And I'm, it feels so good. People, the reactions that I get, some people fall asleep, they knock out. Some people, um, it's more of an emotional response. I felt like crying yeah. in a really like, cathartic way. Yeah, because that, so the classic craniosacral hold, I'm basically cupping the back of your head in my two hands. And that's supposed to kind of mimic... Um, the feeling of when you were in the womb. Being a baby. Yeah, yeah, being a baby. So it can trigger emotions. Some people get anxious. Some people get sad. Some people cry. Um, but to be able to harness all those kinds of releases is amazing. And I'm still learning. Like I said, I don't call myself. I'm not a cranial sacral expert. But I know If there's enough. any cranial sacral yeah. experts listening, she doesn't know as much as you. <laughs> yeah, I like come. I bow down to no. you um, because it's a really special practice and I think it's coming back is that I from my understanding of it it used to be quite popular and then you know American Medical Association yeah yeah, you they kind of you know scoot all these alternative practitioners along the side um but I think acupuncture and cranial sacral therapy are some of the most amazing gifts that if you can, you know, receive those things and treat your body to those, um, you'll really kind of feel a difference in yourself. But also even for folks who don't have the cash to spend mm-hmm. on this kind of treatment, it's all the more encouragement to just like touch people you love. And exactly. maybe we're just both making mention of romantic partners we have, uh-huh. but you can do that among friends. I feel like we should all something I'm sure you know, I know yeah. for myself, our all of your friends love you to touch us uh-huh. because you're willing to. You're not weird about it because you've already, you know, yeah. in your different phases of life, you yeah. know, waxed and yeah. healed and uh-huh. massaged all yeah. sorts of people. So it's like to be like less scared of touching one another can be really helpful for people in our mental health, exactly. our relaxation. Exactly. Hug people. That's so good for you. Hold um, hands. Hold hands. Tickle smile. Necks. You know. Tickle. Um, <laughs> there was a recent thing where I saw. I, She's. I went to high school with her, but I randomly checked my Facebook, but she d- lives in Oakland and wrote this really kind of amazing article about um, what a difference it makes to just smile at totally. a stranger or even, um, you know, the homeless population. I yeah. see it all the time. I'd be smiling. Um, yeah, I try to even just crack a smile. I mean, of course, there's, I'm generalizing, but... Um, a lot of people, when you're walking down the street, just don't even make eye contact to these of people course. as if they're like cockroaches. Because they'd you know? rather them not be there, they're pets. It's nuisances. so sad. So that's so, why I do try to smile intentionally exactly. because it's like, you exist. They're existing. You yeah. know, it's like, who am I, who am I to not acknowledge another person? Exist- yeah. That's it's crazy. Good. But I also think it's something to be said about establishing your own energetic field and having that be a smile having like i just learned some word like bodhicitta or something it's like making your heart kind of smile and it's about acknowledging that all of our hearts can do that Mm -hmm. or all of our energies can have that sort of whether it's like pleasure or recognition or peaceful like transference and i think that by smiling at other people, regardless of what response you get, at, at, if at all, it allows you to maintain yourself as yourself. Because I think I'm super empathic in a way where I take on a lot of other people's energy mm-hmm. a lot of the time, even if that's like a stranger, but especially in my close relationships. So 
by just meeting people with a smile, you're establishing how you feel, right? And then before you kind of get lozenged into... Totally. Yeah. I don't really know if lozenged is a word that fits there, but it is something you put in your <laughs> mouth, you which mean. you didn't absorb. Yes. Okay, so I better get into... I have plenty of my own, like... I haven't even got to, like, my selfish questions yet, but so many folks wrote in to me asking Yay. you questions, so, so I better get to them, because this podcast cannot be four hours long, although I bet we'll have a part two. So the first question I received was from my friend Isabel, who told me that she's literally been saving to go see you for a facial. Oh my gosh. We went to high school together, we uh-huh. recently reconnected. Anyway, she was asking me about Nasio Label folds and I was like is that in your <laughs> vagina <laughs> I thought she's asking about labia but I uh-huh. think it's these yeah what is that and like what can you do to pre- I guess what she's saying is that these lines not on her vagina that are <laughs> between the nose and the mouth yeah. is it like smile lines yeah they're expression lines essentially and um you know from what I've gathered from clients that I work on it is a major aging spot, and that kind of deepens over time, of course, but it's those are connecting basically little facial muscle, muscles that allow you to smile. So when people are like, I hate those, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell them to stop smiling, you know? Yeah, but it's just you know, a muscle, literally. Yeah. It's not like a wrinkle. No, it's... And on, I, my understanding is that on certain people, it's a little bit more prominent yeah. than others, you know, um, but the best thing that I can, I guess, recommend to people is um, doing a little bit of facial yoga and also gua sha which we could get into, but it is one of the facials that I offer, but it's a very simple, natural way to lift and contour muscles, and so this area here, I actually, when I give you that facial... Like next to your lips. Yeah, like the yeah, jowls. Yeah, me that, right? Here, I do a lot of lifting there, um, and try to remove any water weight or toxins, because it could be so a little bit of that. Could, yeah, so it could, could be a little puffiness. Yeah, detoxified in that area exactly. by the massage or by your facial, exactly. and then it would kind of diminish naturally. What I tell people is, you know, for easy DIY, you can just start literally just kind of pressing, and I'm doing it right now as yeah. I'm talking to the mic, is just start giving your face uh, facial exercises. There's so much content on YouTube, which I should... You know, yeah. I could probably just do a little story on this, but even just that, because think of all the muscles that don't get exercised on your body, you know? I try to pluff my lips out as, like, a blowfish. Oh, yeah. Because I have pouted so much that my dentist even said, Really? Yeah, that's so funny. My dentist three days ago was like, do you clench your jaw? And I was like, yeah, I clench my jaw because I like the way my cheeks look in photos, which is messed oh, up. Oh, so but you I, pronounce your jaw yeah, by doing yeah, that? Yeah, like that was something that I... That's cool because you I do guess have I, a hot jaw. Yeah, I learned that when I... Too. I think I learned that when I, when I was younger and I used to do commercials and stuff. Literally facial <laughs> yoga to correct the posing yeah. we've done. Um, and gua sha is really good for that. And gua sha is just a little traditional, it's a traditional Chinese medicine tool that you can, There, it's everywhere TCM. now. Yeah. TCM. But this is why, yeah, everybody has those. And I always thought it was kind of like bullshit. I think, yeah. I but think... it's because of the saturation of the product. It's like these days trends are like tool trends and beauty and skin. They emerge and then it's like 
two weeks later, they're everywhere and every level of consumer has them, which perhaps is like a great thing about luxury or like access not being rarefied now, but it's also makes you think that it must be bullshit. But totally. really it's a traditional medicine that I'm just ignorant about. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, and I was super, I hate like the monetization of that kind of thing. Like I, I'm lucky. One of my closest friends is a TCM student. She's like, Oh, like that is an ancient technique used to rule out, um, literally flush out colds and viruses on your back. Yeah. So that's the original adaptation. But, you know, I also think it's kind of cool. And, you know, um, as going back on that trend conversation, I think, um, some trends are, they're beneficial. Yeah. (laughs) Like, let's do it. You could do your own little, like I I had the experience with you. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what's cool about now. The accessibility is you can get the tool and do it yourself. You know, if you can't come in and get facial. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess, I mean, this is easier said than done, but I guess what I would also say is, um, it's for some, it could be a wrinkle kind of problem area, but it's literally just anatomy and biology. So, I never get look, over it. Yeah, get over it. I <laughs> never look, I never look at that part as like an imperfection or something. Yeah, no, I just totally see that as like an a anatomical yeah. element. Yeah, but I I get it. I get it too. I get the concern because but it's more I would say I've noticed more like expression lines like closer to the like cracks of the lips like on the That's sides. smoking, right? Yeah. My mom constantly puts her mouth in like a little circle creepy and is like, look at this, look at this because oh. she's like smoked a lot when she was oh, younger. Oh, okay. And she has so much lines around her mouth. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's normal but gua sha helps, little facial yoga um, and also drinking a lot of water too because that'll keep everything kind the toxins of, away. And yeah, toxins away and plumpness up, you know, just hydration all the way. Cool. So I wanted to know that if you look at somebody's skin, can mm-hmm. you tell that they smoke? Because this is my greatest fear. Yeah, I, I can tell, but I gotta admit, I can't tell people who smoke socially because yeah. that used to be me. And yeah. you would never guess that I smoke. Um, Ever. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I So do some I years. have the skin of a smoker? No. No, no. Does smoking weed affect your skin negatively? Because I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it does. I, the one facet of weed smoking that I've seen that is up for debate is, um, acne triggering. I, oh, really? Rem- I recall working with a few people in the past, who are weed smokers, consistent mm-hmm. weed, you know, we're talking like every day, um, who noticed that weed triggers acne for them, wow. you know? So I haven't looked into that that much. Yeah, but you've experienced um, But I've experienced it. it, so I would say, you know, for those who are kind of avid smokers, you know, and if you're breaking out, do a little test with yourself and see, you know, maybe smoke, stop smoking for a few days and see how your skin reacts. Figuring out your skin is all about patterns, yeah. right? It's a little puzzle. So anything, if you're all of a sudden randomly breaking out, whether it's with weed or anything, you gotta, you gotta set up an experiment for yourself, essentially. That's how I always figure things out, and it's just process of elimination. But um, I don't think weed is bad for the skin. I also think it depends how you're smoking it. You know, if you're smoking it, if you're vaping, if you're juuling. Um, 
I'm curious to see what this generation of jeweling, like, what their we'll skin's going to look like. Yeah, for real. Do you real. think it's probably better than smoking, for sure? Or you're not sure? I'm not sure. Part of me thinks it's not. Part yeah. of me thinks that it's way worse, in a way. Because there's... Unknown. Unknown thing. Also, it's like, who's giving us the breakdowns of those little pods, you know? Nobody. They're not... Nobody. Like, how do you know? And that's what, you know, marketing, Jewel's very quick to say that it's safer than tobacco but also you know there's also really good organic tobacco out there you know this so is it's like you want to hit Margot, our wonderful producer's jewel <laughs> yeah go for it okay uh before i hit this uh, i think it's menthol flavored the most <laughs> popular question i received by at least six people which Honey, that's a lot before yeah. our podcast launches. Yeah. And they all want to know about retinol. Some people want to know, is it a scam? Like, is it too harsh in general? So other people want to know about riding the wave of retinol because I mm-hmm. guess from their understanding, it sort of purges mm-hmm. toxins or purges, mm-hmm. like, what, negativity? <laughs> it, like, yeah. purges your skin and then it, like, resurfaces. So, like, sort of riding that wave and being yeah. able to tell if it's too intense or not. And then other people just wanted to know, like, what retinol should I buy? What form of it is best? Is it a, a rinse-off treatment or mm-hmm. is it a cream that remains? And for someone like me who, you know, my 20s, they keep coming. <laughs> so I am looking at anti-aging of stuff, course. but I'm not really implementing any specific anti-aging protocol. So mm-hmm. it's like... Knowing my skin, is retinol good for me, or who is it good for? Yeah, um, I love this question because I, it's such a big topic. First off, I think retinol, I think retinol is a great thing, but I'm going to tell you a few of my concerns because I see it a lot. I really firmly, and I hate to break it down by age, but it is a good way of kind of quantifying it. I really believe that if you're under the age of 32, I don't think that retinol is super crucial. And I'll tell you why. Is in your 20s, there's a lot of hormonal shifts. The 18 to 21 hormonal shift is tends to be a big one. And then from 25 to 30, there's all of these hormonal shifts that are happening, right? So, and also, I'm going to touch on, you know... Um, for, like, female clients that I work with um, who have cystic acne or hormonal acne during their menses, I don't recommend retinol for them. Mm-hmm. People who have cystic kind of hormonal breakouts, especially around menstrual cycles. I have hormonal because it's, breakout every because it's, month. Because it's, you know, and on a scale, it would... I'm talking about people who severely hormonally yeah. break out, you know, because it's too unpredictable. Because retinol, what's great about retinol is it's kind of one of those miracle things where it helps with evenness, it helps with texture, and it's anti-aging. So it's great. But I also think that if you're, basically if your skin is kind of up and down through your 20s and up until you're 31, 32, uh-huh. I don't think you need to fuck with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a little early. I, for example, myself don't use the retinol because I've tried natural ones and I've tried more kind of scientific ones and I always break out. And I'll tell you a little bit about my breakouts. When I've, the first 
retinol that I used was by Marie Veronique, who, uh-huh. it's a green, she's has a green beauty company. She's a cosmetic chemist based out of San Francisco, I think. And cosmetic she has, chemist. Yeah. She's amazing. She has a gentle retinol serum. Tried it. I did a little patch test, and the next day I woke up with essentially what looked like almost like hives, like a little rash. Yeah. And that's when I knew, I said, okay, this isn't right for me. So if you're thinking about getting a retinol, I always tell people, please, please sample and don't put it all over your face. Do a patch test because it's, like you said, um, it's very possible that retinol will encourage a purge. So you have to be emotionally ready for that. I've had clients who are in their mid-20s and tried a retinol and they tried it on for a week or two and we're still months later Dealing with the consequences. Dealing with the consequences, where I have to really extract their face because it essentially creates little milia, which is just trapped oil that gets buried underneath yeah. the skin, and they don't come to a head. So, you know. So it's stuck unless you see somebody yeah. like you. It's like for the at home person, it's harder to deal exactly. with. Exactly. Another thing to look out for when you're shopping for retinols there's now a lot of green beauty companies have facial oils where they put almost like a natural equivalent of retinoid. Um, Tata Harper has one, um, this British company, Votary has one, um, African Botanics has one. So it's not, it's not retinol, but they'll find a natural equivalent that does the same, that they have found has the same. effective. Yeah. Are they marketing it with retinol? Like for someone, I know one of my friends who asked, who is in her Mm thirties and has tried retinols and is still sort of unsure. So if she wanted to get, did you say Tata Harper? Yeah. So would she look for, like, a retinol-branded product, or it would just say, like, anti-aging? Yeah, it's usually... It depends. The language is very specific, because, you know, retinol doesn't sound very green. Do you know what I mean? Totally. So, I actually think... I think Tata Harper's might... It's either beautifying oil or retinoic facial... <laughs> I mean, it's either... It's something... It's either really obvious retinoic. or... Yeah. Um, but also... There's percentages, so there's this company that I've recently been introduced to through a client, and it was the same founders of um, Skin Medica, which is a little bit more scientific. Um, it's their new company called The Last in Skin Care, and they have a very gentle retinol at point, 0.25%. So often you'll see dermatologists give a lot of retinols out. Yeah. That's another thing that I see. They're very quick to give a retinol 0. 0.5, 1%, 2%, 3%. Wow. So there's strong yeah. To that. So if you're going to do that, start at the lowest, which yeah. would, which I've seen, which Elastin makes a 0.25% retinol. And that's so. good. Something that you said too is just if you have particularly sensitive skin mm-hmm. or just in general, you have taught me to try a patch test, yeah. which I definitely don't always do, but yeah. the times I haven't, I've wished I had. Yeah, no, exactly. And I'm just doing that just saves a lot of stress and potential. Again, if you're not emotionally prepared for something to cause a little breakout or a purge, don't do it. Then definitely don't put it all over your face. I've learned that too. I've 
done so many things where I'm like, wow, I shouldn't, I should have literally tried this, you know, because yeah, like you when just we never went to know. BeautyCon, yeah, and Andrea was there to show off her amazing skin to all these like beauty professionals, and yeah. then she was like, I'm wearing a hat, I, I'm, I'm ashamed, I need sunglasses, <laughs> I tried something that was too strong. It was so bad. I had um, a rash for like two weeks, and I even had to take Benadryl because it was oh so itchy. God. But you never know. I mean, and I'm a professional, you know, so. Totally. Um, there's also, um, you know, there's a few other retinols. I'm trying to think. Shani, Shani Dar, I, Shani, I think. Oh, Shani yeah. or Shani. She um, does Jessica Alba. <laughs> yes. Um, but she has two retinol serums, a gentle one and then a regular one. And my advice is always start gentle. Yeah. If you're going to go for it, you know. And it her retinol like isn't cheap. I think it's... 100, 125 plus, something like that. So that's another thing. Retinols tend to not be cheap. So again, I think if you're 20s, do I think it's essential? No. Will it benefit you if it's the right fit? Absolutely. But I'm not a big retinol pusher. So what should someone like me do to prevent aging? I think the key, and it's really so simple, it's just looking at serums that have really high antioxidant content. Um, which could come from a lot of seed oils or Uh seeds, and I'm talking like sesame seed oil, um, macadamia seed oil, um, other carrier oils like um, jojoba, rosehip argan. Those are all super rich in omega-3s and 6s, so it's essentially like skin food. Um, Not to be confused with, well, the... Yes. (laughs) Um... And, you know, like Aesop, actually, they have a really good subline, the parsley seed line. That whole line was formulated to protect your skin from free radicals. That parsley seed is a really powerful antioxidant. So, you know, if you're in your 20s and just want to protect your skin, just think of antioxidants all the way. So omega-3s and 6s. So that usually comes so in the form of oils. serums and oils. Yeah. Um, and you'll be golden. That's what I do. I don't use any super anti-aging product whatsoever. I just use products that their ingredient tech where I'm really impressed, you know, yeah. like, um, that's the route that I'm going to go cool. because I'm, I'm a big believer of, uh, not having to use things that you don't, I mean, that sounds really obvious, but I, can't tell you how many 22 year olds I see who are buying all this anti-aging stuff and it really kind of sucks because you just want I basically what I'm saying is just let your skin breathe and do its thing and start preventative yes but you don't have to do that you don't have to do preventative anti-aging um things when you're 21 or 22 you know so and similarly in terms of worrying about something being too rough or too intense yeah is that I have really sensitive skin. It's more... I don't know if you think it's really sensitive. I've mostly experienced it as pretty sensitive, a lot of redness, pretty dry. And so before really befriending you and having you bestow knowledge on me, I definitely didn't exfoliate. And then if I did, it was with like a physical scrub, like a exfoliant, like a textured scrub, which I think is the way that most of us learn how to exfoliate. It's like mm-hmm. clean and clear yeah. scrub St. option. Ives, right? Yeah, yeah, St. Ives, the apricot one, mm-hmm. um, or even, oh yeah, something else, never mind. But um, today, I still today, I really don't know what I should do to exfoliate. Last year, I was using Neogen, these gauze pads that were like 
I think, green tea infused, and there was also a lemon version for brightening. Mm. I really like these dual-sided pads where you slip your hand into them and it, like, brush it over your face. And what's funny, when I started using it, I guess I didn't read the back, I just would do that and leave. I didn't even rinse it off. And I had really good results. I noticed so much more glowingness, um, mm-hmm. and I wasn't trying too many other things at the time, so I really was attributing it to these pads. I recommended them to so many people, and I know at least a few people who bought them and also liked them. I ran out. I waited months to try some, you know, to get them again. I got them, and now, so you could leave, I realize you're supposed to rinse it off, and then, and it's like a chemical exfoliant, right? Like, I don't really know AHA, mm-hmm. uh, you can explain those to me, but basically, I read that you rinse it off after 5 to 15 minutes. So the first time I used it, I used it for like 15 minutes. I felt super splotchy, or I noticed a lot of redness after, splotchiness, like rashy, especially near like my forehead. Mm-hmm. And then... So now the last couple times I've used it, I've only used it for like three minutes or one minute. And the one minute was fine, but it's probably ineffective. But like the three minutes, I still was splotchy. So I guess for people like me who feel like their skin is too sensitive to exfoliate, but like why is exfoliating important for everybody and what should we do? So exfoliating is so important um, because it's just... The simple and the easiest way to remove topical dead skin cells, which we all get because our skin cells are constantly replicating. Um, But the tricky thing is finding a good physical exfoliant. Now there's a lot of good ones, but I have to say that I physical exfoliating, and just to clarify, I mean something with a physical component like a, a bead or a jojoba pearl or a pomegranate seed, something like that. Um... I don't think they're as effective. Then you have kind of more chemical and enzymatic exfoliators, which is the route that I tend to go. Uh Um, So I think people were turned off by that term because of the word chemical, but I mean chemical... When we say chemical exfoliant, it's because of the actual... There's a chemical process that happens. Yeah, but it's not that it's not bad for bad, you. Though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That yeah, always no. gets kind yeah, of conflated. Yeah, it gets confusing. Um, so we're talking salicylic acid, lactic acid, glycolic acids, all the acids, minus hyaluronic acid. Hyaluronic acid is not an alpha-hydroxy acid. Um, so, and what's great about acids is that it's doing on a very micro level when you have a cleanser that is an AHA cleanser or a serum or even moisturizers now. There are exfoliating moisturizers now, which is sounds kind of crazy, but um, Dr. Dennis Gross has a line that has a, an exfoliating cream, for example. Um, it's happening on a micro level where it's just slowly kind of dissolving dead skin. And so what that does, it just kind of illuminates you instantly. It gives you like a glow. And... Um, Basically, it keeps your pores from being congested. So, yeah, yeah it keeps any whiteheads or blackheads. Yeah. yeah. And when I mean congestion, it can, it's a very general term that estheticians like to use, but it could be little whiteheads, little blackheads, or little bumpies that just yeah. don't, doesn't sound very um, medical, but, um, no, but I feel just that, little I feel bumpies, like I bumpies, yeah, that don't right have. Here where I'm like, yeah, that's where not they, a pimple, yeah. that's not a cut. There's like, never a head, you? basically. Yeah. Um, so that's why I like enzymes and acids, because I think it does a slightly more effective job. Um, I did a little post recently about um, 
this alpha hydroxy acid serum by Living Libations that I love for sensitive skin because it is literally they're using lime and green papaya. Cool. To Sounds mimic the good. power. Yeah. Tasty. So yeah, exactly. Well if you think about the you know, if you think about papaya and lime, like they're bitter and yeah. well lime is um, but papaya has really amazing enzymes. <laughs> yeah, but papaya, you know, you can take um, papaya digestive enzymes because they help break things uh. down. So if you think about those two ingredients on a topical level, what are they doing? Breaking things down. So they're going to break down topical Wait, goods can I tell cells. you something yeah. that's like totally non-scientific and yeah. not a recommendation? Yeah. But, so you're telling me that papaya breaks things down, right? Mm-hmm. So I met this girl on set one time and she was much younger than me. Uh, she was like just turned 18, I'm pretty sure she was 18, Uh or honestly younger, graduating high school basically, it was the summer after she graduated, and she lives in Santa Barbara, she came to LA for the shoot, she was working and living on a papaya farm, and she said, she was being super serious, telling me, she was like, girl, if you ever think you're pregnant, just eat a lot of papaya, papaya is like basically nature's abortion and then i googled it and it did say that if you're pregnant or early pregnancy or something kind of discouraging you from eating a lot of papaya but then not too long ago i kept being like i need to go get papaya i need to go get papaya my friend's (laughs) like why do you want a papaya so bad i was like i don't know i don't want to order plan b like (laughs) that's not a recommendation but if papaya is so good at breaking things down it might even break down embryos yeah (laughs) oh my god that's crazy i believe it i believe in that kind of thing yeah right i mean i'm sure it's not from nothing but also not something to depend on all the time um but i just love this like young teen giving me like a fresh feminist indigenous recommendation that's amazing um i had a lot of people tell me that their skin on their face is pretty clear Uh uh-huh but that on their back, in their ass, they get so acne and it mm-hmm. makes people feel really uncomfortable, especially during sex, because they think that whether it's just because, like I said, their skin is clear on their face or because they're wearing makeup, that yeah. they're embarrassed by their physical acne, especially back and ass. Yeah. So what should people do? That back acne and butt acne, any body acne is tricky and... I'll tell you why. It sometimes, I don't think, I haven't read enough literature where it really discusses why or what triggers it, but I'll tell you this, back acne is actually kind of easy to treat. I think um, step one is just getting a really good body glove and exfoliating the body. Um, That's more kind of preventative, because let's say you're already breaking out in your back, right? If you do an exfoliation, like, with a glove, that's going to hurt. Yeah. Um, but for those of you who are already have kind of, you know, onset acne that's happening, um, I would say the best way to kind of start getting that process cleared is getting a back facial, which is essentially usually is a little cheaper and it, it's not as painful, but we can extract you one by one. Right. And so you'll see results. Um, but Char- any body wash that has charcoal, activated charcoal in it, or any body wash, even Dr. Bronner's, like the peppermint, uh-huh. that one's really good because it's clarifying. Cool. Um, that's kind of a really good way, um, at least to get the area clean. Yeah. Then, you know, you got to think about sweat and dirt, right? So sheets, are you changing your sheets? Are you using the same towel for two weeks? Um, when you work out, are you taking a shower within an hour of finishing your workout class? 
I actually remember I had a friend who had um, quite a bit of acne on his back and couldn't figure out why when he, you know, showered, was really diligent about everything, and then he realized that he was wearing a backpack that was just yeah. kind of pressing, and, you know, it was during the summer, so it was just yeah. creating a lot of heat, a lot of heat and sweat, yeah. you know, little things like that. It's usually, I feel like usually body acne is onset by something very, like, physical, like, something yeah. like a heavy weight, or you're simply sweat, sweat you're not sharing, and, you know, like... I get it, like, it's so vulnerable to admit. Vulnerable, maybe not. Uh, but embarrassing to disclose. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't even embarrassed to disclose it to you constantly. Then I was like, is it a that thing? Is it this? But I realized it's from wearing a sports bra at yoga or working out and then keeping it on because mm-hmm. I'm just like freelancing my life and yeah. like just hanging out at home a while yeah. before I shower. I would get, I have like big enough boobs that I would get like basically not acne, but like blackheads or even a whitehead under my boob. And Uh I'd be like, oh my God, somebody's going to be sucking on my nipple and like bite a whitehead. Yeah, because the sweat kind of festers and, you know, does even me, I remember, (laughs) this is lame, but um, I would wear the same workout pants maybe like two or three times because I'd be like, oh, I didn't sweat that much, so I'm going to do it again. Then I started noticing you'd get, I'd get these random like, you know, like an ingrown, that's another thing, ingrowns too, if you wax or shave um i wanted to ask you, you how can i do cleanse. that without looking like i have chicken pox Ugh, i know it's all about it's all about the exfoliation i'm telling you a good body glove or even dry brushing that's going to help eliminate that kind of like chicken skin we call it yeah um and also finding like a good uh razor it's all about the razor yeah. um disposable ones are kind of good they can be they can be okay, but, you know, if you really want to do it by the books, is like getting, like, a uh, a metal shaver. That's, like, uh-huh. the best way to cause no mm. irritation. But, you know, I don't do that. I still, when I shave, I still use, like, disposable ones. But it's all about, with waxing and shaving, it's all about the pre-cleanse. So making sure that you have a really clean surface. So to you, start. Yeah. Cause Even usually, if you're going to go elsewhere for the service to, like, prepare yourself. Oh, yeah, because a lot of places, even waxers don't even prep you that well. They don't so, prep me at all. Yeah. Yeah, no. See, that's crazy to me. Like, when I used to do waxes in Brazilians and stuff, I would take a lot of time on the prep. Because, or maybe they'll put some powder make sure there's no Yeah, no sweat. Yeah. yeah but uh, whenever you're getting waxed or if you're going to shave, like, always... Don't hop in the shower and shave first off. Cleanse your body, scrub it with a good body wash, um, and then do your process. Because the odds of the razor bumps appearing go way, go way down. Cool. Yeah, so it's all about the pre-cleanse. Since we're talking things vaginally, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to ask you a question about what you think. I noticed there's a lot of, like, chic vaginal care products coming out. Basically, like... Okay, basically I feel like most people in their 20s and 30s totally think of Vagisil or Summer's Eve as like outdated, unnecessary, potentially harmful or, you know, counterproductive products. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like the truth is always just like splash with water or something, you know. But now I notice there's all these like luxury branded vaginal washes Mm -hmm. and they're just sold in like glass bottles and sold at higher end boutiques and so I see a lot of people gravitating towards those especially because 
coming at it from the perspective of someone who works a lot with ideas about sexuality, I feel like a lot of people with vaginas are, like, ashamed of their textures, smells, blah, 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 bullshit. Yeah. So it's, like, those products are really enticing to folks, but are they, are any good? Are they all bad? Do you have any (sighs) opinion? I love that we're talking about this because, aside from skin, I've always been so obsessed with vaginal health because I've had, (laughs) there's no other doctor, I've seen my gynecologist like more than normal. Yeah. Um, so it's, I'm very passionate about it. Um, I haven't tried a lot of vaginal products because I'm super picky. Yeah. About what even touches or goes near that area. Yeah. Um, Vaginal health is crazy. It's all about pH balance. So just the slightest thing, anything that's perfumed, like summer, all that old, like, 80s, 90s shit is, like, garbaggio. You know, like, don't douche. That is so outdated. Yeah. Just because you want your pussy to smell good. Um, Healthy pussies smell really good. They smell like, just like, like water essence, you know? It should just smell like nature, basically, you know? honey. Like, yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting. I think, um, you're right. There's a lot more, like, vaginal, like, self-care products. Yeah. I think it's a little silly, to be honest. It's silly. It's, it's silly. It's anti-feminist, too. And. I hate this product. I don't want an endorsement from you. Fur. <laughs> oh. Do you think fur is good? I know that's different I've than been, what we're talking about. No, no, about. no. I've been gifted that, and I still haven't opened it. I think it's speaks, cool, speaks yeah, to it. but it's like... It's an oil designed for pubic hair, which is basically like, to me, it's like, oh, so you don't have an issue with hair that we've socialized you to have? Like, you have a bush? Awesome. You now need a $50 emollient to protect its health. Yeah. It's like, what no. the fuck? Like, yeah. put some coconut oil or nothing. Exactly. Put some coconut oil, avocado oil. I, every day when I get out of the shower, I mix my avocado oil with whatever body lotion I have at the time, and I drip myself head to toe, and I even, yeah, I put it over my vulva and my, yeah. cute, you know, for, honestly, less is more in that area. Like, you, some people, I know plenty of people who only rinse with water, and that's supposedly the best. It's I so do. funny, yeah, that's supposedly the best. I sometimes take a little Dr. Bronner's and, like, dilute it a little bit. But I heard just Bronner's a gives you the most UTIs of any soap. Yeah, so... That's only, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. That's whenever I feel a little sweaty. You know what's so funny, and I'll admit this, but I sweat so much from my crotch. I'm such a crotch sweater. Crotch sweater. Like, it's cute. I mean, it's so funny. That's how I determine when I feel like I need to wash my clothes and, like, the crotch smells, you know? Yeah. Well, which I think is for a lot of people, but for me, it's just like, I, well, Especially it is my portal. Pants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it is my sacred portal anyway, so I think it's good. I think it's good that she's sweating and, yeah. like, has her own thing going. But um, I really try to keep things uh, kind of limited there. Um, also, there's this really good um, TCM product called Yin Care. And for Yin anyone, Care. yeah, if for anyone, it's a little bit hard to find. You might have to, like, Google where you might have to go to, like, an acupuncture school to get your hands on it. But uh-huh. it's a really, it's a wash that's just Chinese herbs. And you can actually um, use an apparatus that basically shoots it up to your vagina. And it's like a, 
it's like an herbal wash, and that Ooh. is so, so fantastic. It's great if you're experiencing, like, some, you know, itchiness, external itchiness, an imbalance in yeast, if you're prone to candida. Um, I could talk about candida all day. I'm, what is that? Uh, candida is yeast, so oh, okay. I'm super... I. I've been there. I've had the. I've had the continuous, you know, yeast well, infection. Every lesbian I know gets BV every other oh, week, yeah. right? Why is BV that? BV fucking <laughs> sucks. It sucks because it's that's like that's not stigmatizing. That's calling out an issue. That yeah, needs more yeah, yeah, yeah. Discord. No, it just sucks because it's like a thing, but it's also just so natural and normal. It's like, yeah, your vagina's gonna itch and get a little sweaty and a little irritated if you're having sex, you know? Yeah. It's so annoying. There's like like a whole other, when you see a gyno, it's a whole nother conversation, which I think is so funny, but it's really just like vaginal hygiene, basically. Okay. Um, but. And hand Well, yeah, hand too. So, you know, there's like a lot of fingering and ball. This sounds dumb. I remember I was always really diligent about making my partner wash their hands because think about all the gunky junk underneath the nails yeah that's gonna cause some funky uh yeah of course that um if you use scented um laundry detergent that's another thing also Um, another big thing getting good underwear cotton underwear is so so major i had to switch all my underwear to 100% cotton stuff. Um, even if you want sexy underwear, you just make sure the lining is at least cotton yeah. because the vagina needs to breathe. It's super serious. It can cause, if you get, if you're prone to like redness, inflammation, or if you're prone to BV, bacterial yeah. vaginosis or yeast, all those little things matter. If you're someone who wears a lot of tight fitted clothes, make sure that you're kind of rinsing well. All so you those go factors. pantsless at night. Yeah, yeah. Letting it, letting her breathe. You know. Um, That's cool. What else? Yeah, it's one of those things that we kind of just have to deal with. But uh, Yin Care is really good for that. There's also this um, woman who makes. It's called Good Flora Soak. Um, she is actually my friend's sister, and she made she has this um, potion. I'll call it that you yeah. can put in your bubble bath, not a bubble bath, yeah. but you just in, put, put it in your you bath. Know, and in your bath, of bubbles, and yeah, it's and it's it's a formulation for achieving healthy pH balance. So it can help if you're experiencing a little BV, even a little yeast infection. It's super cooling for the vagina and the vulva, the whole vulva. Yeah, yeah. Because you know if you have a B. If you're having, like, a BV episode or a yeast infection, it usually does affect externally, like, your labias and even your vulva can all feel pretty itchy. Um, So you always just want to soothe and calm it all. My goal for this year as a long-term sex writer and sex educator and Mm -hmm. feminist is to more appropriately use the term vulva as you do because everybody I'm in community with around these ideas definitely does, but I guess I'm still, like, vagina. But I should really just be like, Pussy, I don't know. Um, Okay, so we're going to wrap up soon. I just have a couple questions. Maybe we'll do, like, lightning fire rounds. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I love this. Um, Somebody who's working a lot, traveling a lot, dealing with major personal life changes, Mm -hmm. um, breaking out in psoriasis all around her eyes for the first time. Is there anything that comes to mind? Because it's such a sensitive area. She really doesn't know what to do. Oof. Tricky. Psoriasis is tricky. I would, for anything with skin conditions, super simple, calming it down. Um, I would, 
gosh, my go-to for that usually is um, just a light cleansing milk, like Osea's cleansing milk, or this company, uh, Pie, that's a London-based company. Their whole thing is for those who have skin conditions. Um, I would start with that gentle cream cleansers. Stay away from anything detoxifying, clarifying. Yeah, you don't need that. Yeah, just do, think calming. Milk. If something's milk, called hydration. milk, I want it for yeah. the skin. I yeah. love that. Yeah, um, especially with the eyes, wet surface area, you want to go very, very simple, totally. gentle. Um, my other friend who shares a name with you has perpetually puffy under eyes. Mm-hmm. And another friend was asking about darkness under their eyes. And they're basically like, I do sleep a lot. I do drink water. Yeah. It's still there. Puffiness in bags is, um, it's hard because a lot of it, unfortunately, is genetics. Yeah. Um, so if it's in your gene pool, it's just in your gene pool. But there are a few things, obviously investing in a good, um, like a cool cream, especially for puffiness and dark circles. Now there's, um, under eye oils, which I'm a huge fan wow. of. Instead I, of eye cream? Yeah. So I've for, never had an eye cream. I so eye cream... Eye creams are cool, but... Or an oil, yeah, whatever. Um, I'm all about under-eye serums or oils because their molecular weight is lighter, so... Uh-huh. they're going to absorb more. Yeah, intensely. and you're less likely to get those little white bumps that I'm sure you see. I always People, get those. Little milia. Yeah. And usually, I feel like there's a direct correlation with if you have, you're using a really rich eye cream... Most of the population puts a little too much, so yeah, then it you just creates a, these a little, little than a like pea, right? yeah, so so small. So um, there's this under eye contour oil by Audacity that I love. That's really good for darkness and puffiness. It's called Eye Contour Oil by Audacity, um, and it's like thirty eight bucks. Um, and then also another super DIY thing that you can do is. Um, Buying chamomile tea and putting it in your fridge and then putting chamomile tea bags on your eyes for 10-15 minutes at night. Ooh, yeah, that sounds good. Because mm-hmm. it's super, um, it's great for inflammation. Cool. And so, my two, okay, two last questions. I remember you telling me that you had some sort of, like, sexual insecurity because you felt there was, like, discoloration mm-hmm. between your thighs. Mm-hmm. And I think for any of us, like, with ample thighs there could be chaping discoloration um and of course that's not something we need to like obsess about but for people who want to feel a little bit less uh or feel more confident in terms of like balancing or clarifying that area what should people do yeah um gosh that's so funny that was such a big insecurity of mine uh for you crevices what What is that yeah um well you know if you're a little darker you're creases and this is like where your vagina meets yeah where your Your vulva my embraces um, your thigh i think my what's that called i should know this pluribus or pelvic bones yeah yeah where they meet um together i would you know when your body just like flex flexes Uh and moves um my skin gets a little darker and my grandmother always used to tell me you need to scrub your elbows in that area. My, she would call yeah. it kuka. She'd be like, make sure you scrub yeah. your kuka. And I'd be like, okay, why? She's like, you don't want it to get dark down there. So I have always remember that. I take my body glove and I pretty much go all the way up to before yeah. my lips. And I'm just scrubbing. I yeah. scrub a ton. Um, another and that's thing, exfoliating. Yeah, it. and that's exfoliating um, either with like a body salt or scrub or even just with whatever body wash I'm using. Yeah. Um, if you really want to go 
hardcore, which I think would be interesting because I wonder if this would blow up. Maybe I should just do it. Um, yeah. Putting even a little bit of a detoxing mask. No, on we told, the talked about this, and yeah. I went to a sh- somewhere. I don't want to keep mentioning shoots, but honey, I'm booked. And uh, these girls were talking about it because it was summer, and I was like, "Oh yeah, my friend Andrea is about to give inner thigh facials." Yeah, and I do. I give inner thigh facials um, because to acne that, clients. Yeah, because that tends to be. I mean, like I sweat so much. Area, yeah, yeah, totally, and. Um, it's very common for people to get blackheads or even pimples in between their thighs due to shape, especially in the summertime, you yeah. know, because it's just hot. But sometimes it can be what you wear, um, too. Or... Yeah, no, exactly. There's a lot of factors, as we discussed. But um, basically, if you're comfortable with your esthetician, if you're to, if you're one of my clients, I'll do, you know, I'll do a facial and... Whatever you want. Your wherever. nipples. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Coming. Yeah. Up next. Nipple facials. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I'll show you mine right now. Okay, my last question. Um, pers- like, the rhetoric of 12-step Korean skincare is super pervasive right now. And I honestly love it because it kind of makes me feel empowered or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I like slapping it on or slathering it on. Um, but at the same time, you know, somebody, my friend Will, was like, what about if I'm trying to reduce and minimize, whether it's because he doesn't want to purchase so many products or because he simply doesn't have it the time, yeah. where it's like, yeah, that 12-step is like, you know, sumptuous and luxurious and self-care when you have the time, but if he really doesn't, like, what's the simplest way to have an efficient skin routine? Um, all goes back, cleanse, tone, and hydrate. If you're doing those... You've always known. Always. Always known. If you're doing that... Um, that seems to, you're doing a really great job. I'll tell you this, at Skin Worship, we have a, our line is really small. It's just basically one of every, every what product. You just said. Yeah, and we're all about keeping it simple. Um, so, and I also, just really quickly, I don't think, you know, the 12-step kind of routine works for all skin types. Generally speaking, um, those of Asian origin tend to usually have like normal to dry kind of delicate skin. So I feel like that routine it might be culturally, specific for I mean, I'm totally well, generalizing for me too because yeah, my skin is more totally. of that nature, but yeah, it doesn't but mean that every single person. I'll tell you right now, if I, when I do after my toner and then I do my little emulsion of my moisturizer and my oil, and my SPF, if I were to add something else, it would feel like a lot. So yeah. everybody's different, you know? So that's why... Just stick with the three if you're trying to Exactly. Simplify. I think that 12-step is amazing, and if your skin can handle it, amazing. Go off. Um, but I don't think it's for everyone. Wait, the other thing is that um, somebody, like a very influential Instagram skin person who I won't name, said that toner is bullshit. And I was like, Andrea loves toner. Oh my god, that is so annoying. Toner is so important. I argue it's actually... I don't tone, but... I argue that it's the most important part of the skincare routine. Why And I tell you, well, and it depends on the type of skin you have, but... It toner finishes the cleansing process, which I learned from Aesop, and it's so true. Let's say, like me, I'm classic combo. My toner is my second cleanse, right? So I'm applying my toner on a cotton pad, so I'm doing that. Boom. Residual sweat, dirt, makeup. Okay. Finishes the cleansing process. Then at the same time, that little extra, you're giving your skin... Nutrient or hydration. Yes. A little sip of water. 
right? Yeah. So then the other thing that toner is so essential for, it literally helps to permeate product more effectively. So uh. you're going to no- notice when, after you've toned, whether you do it on a cotton pad or you spray it. Yeah, because I do spray rose water. That's That's toning. great. Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, you're going to notice your serum, your cream, your oil is going to, your skin will literally drink it up. And that's such, it's so funny, people who aren't into toners, I'm like, you're crazy. It makes you're such lazy. a difference. Yeah. What about double cleansing? Love it. And if you're going to double cleanse, start with an oil cleanser, then you can do your gel, foam, or cream, whatever. Um, but you I said start with oil. Yeah. yeah. I actually, for that's the last way three strip, or four months. Right? Yeah. In see, a healthy way. See, for example, if you're doing an oil cleanser, then I remove, which I've been doing the last few months. My routine always changes seasonally, so I like to think totally. of the skin in terms of seasons. It's been dry, so oil gives you that nice kind of oily canvas. Then you remove with either a chamois or a cotton pad. Uh-huh. So you already have a little, you already have like slight, you've cleansed, you've done your first removal of basically bacteria, right? Yeah. And then you do another cleanse, right? So think about it. You've cleansed your skin twice, right? You're probably running a little low on some hydration. Yeah. So in that case, I wouldn't do a cotton pad toner. I would just do a spritz. Yeah, I so see. Then you do a spritz and then do your serum. And then my final step is always three drops of oil with my moisturizer. Yeah, I love doing that. And then you that's it. Me. Yeah. It's and like again, making a vinaigrette for yeah, a salad. No, exactly. In emulsion. Everyone... Who knows me? Knows Mayonnaise. I'm, I'm obsessed with emulsions. Wait, um, what about people who only wash their skin with water and then put an oil? Is that help? Like, do you need a cleanser to cleanse? I'm going to say yes. I think if... I think people who can do that are really lucky and blessed. Because there are some people who could just do water their whole lives. Yeah. Um, But I think you know that after a certain point, you know? Um... For me, it's I, a no, basically. Yeah, no. I think you need at least just like a, especially if you're living in a city. You know, yeah. all the gross air and the dirt. If and, you're out on your countryside, yeah. If you're in Montana, Oregon, great. You're probably off, yeah. yeah, good with water. For me, I just don't like the texture of a lot of cleansers. So I think as I move into trying, but part of me wants to return to like a super creamy cleanser because mm-hmm. I haven't had that since like clean and clear yeah. once again like 15 years ago yeah. uh when i was two no um <laughs> so i feel like a good version of that would be yeah. great well andrea it's been so amazing talking to you i feel like i learned so much mm-hmm. i was worried that since i literally text you so many times a week with questions like this <laughs> i was afraid that i wouldn't actually learn too much but of course I have, um, and I hope you come join us again sometime. I would love to. And can you tell people where to find you on Instagram or however else you want to plug yourself? Of course. So you can follow me on Instagram at amez, A-M-E-Z underscore pro. Um, And you can actually see, I get a lot of DMs about how to book with me, and it's actually, the link is on my bio, so that'll connect you to Skin Worship. And I'm pretty much... You select Andrea. Yeah, and you select me, and you can read about the facials. Um, Of course, if you have questions aside from that, you can always DM me. But in terms of appointments, it's right on my bio. Get her while Um, she's hot. There's a lot of questions coming in, but not too much that she can't answer them all yet. Yeah, so I try to get to your questions as soon as possible. But I literally work 
all day and sometimes it feels like I'm always working. On. So always on. But I'll get to you no matter what. So, so. it's at A-M-E-Z underscore pro, P-R-O. Yeah. Um, and you can also email me too if you're into the emailing. Um, there's that. Or if you're my friend already, you can of course text me anytime. <laughs> Well, if you like this, also check out a video Andrea and I have coming oh, yeah. where I actually was vulnerable enough to let her raid my beauty products. I showed her mm-hmm. all of the parabens, yes. all of the sulfates, and some of the good stuff too. So. We should, that should be hopefully coming out by the end of the month. We've been working a lot coming on some great soon. stuff. Yeah, coming soon. So this isn't the last you'll hear of us, but until next time... Tierney Talks is a 420 Talent production. I generously thank my non-existent sponsors in hopes of one day receiving some actual sponsors who I'll thank here. Also, a special thank you to all the pump heads and babes who messaged me on social media encouraging me to create a podcast of my very own. And the very best audio engineer in the game, Margot Padilla. You can follow me on Instagram and even Twitter at TSTAR7. I'd love to hear all of your comments and questions and even some of your concerns. 